Hi friends, welcome to Happily Even After. I'm Life Coach Jen, a certified life coach that specializes in relationships. I'm a mom of four awesome kids and one amazing son-in-law, a home decorator, a remodeler, a shopper, a scrabbler, and a snuggler. I want to help you with your relationships, mainly the relationship you have with yourself, your family, and God. Thanks for listening and letting me share the tools I have learned that can help you live happily, even after some of life's greatest challenges. Hey friends, I'm so excited to be with you today, and I'm interviewing Luke Schillings again, and he is a fellow life coach, and if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, please go listen because he shares his amazing story with us, and so I think you should listen to it before you listen to this one. But anyway, so today we're going to talk about Luke is a life coach like I am, and he coaches people that have experienced betrayal. and men, women. He lives in the UK, which, of course, we're going to love his accent. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, but um, he has a podcast called After the Affair. So, Luke, if I were to hire you as a coach, like, what are some things that you feel are most important, like, at the beginning to talk about with someone? So, usually when clients come to me, and it varies the time span between an affair happening, which is often referred to as D-Day, and the time that we first connect can vary significantly. Yeah. I have a clients yeah. where they've discovered a text message on their partner's phone the day before, uh, and I've had clients where the affair was two decades ago. Yeah, between. I think it's so interesting because sometimes the two decades ago, they just didn't have the ability, the skills. They didn't even, they just like, couldn't even function or decide like to get help or didn't even know they needed help exactly yeah. it's, it's often it's often this when i talk about how we deal with our emotions and of course emotions are extremely intense when you've discovered a, a betrayal like this the the temptation to either react to resist and often avoid yeah that emotion avoid that experience and that can often look like turning a blind eye or pretending things are okay or sweeping it under the carpet and a lot of shame comes up, not wanting anybody to know and a combination of factors. That and sounds like me. <laughs> I just like, <laughs> I just stuffed everything down. Yeah, just down. suppressed it. Yeah, Yeah, because I had babies to raise. I'm like, I can't deal with this right now. I don't know how to, I don't know where to put it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then it's not like I say, it's, it's no fault of anybody, but it's just, it's a very natural human response that we mm-hmm. we, we want to, not experience that negative emotion and what we want to be much more intentional and focus on the things that we feel that we can control. And of course, our partner's behavior is one of the things that we can't control as we have just discovered. Yes. Because we found <laughs> out that they've betrayed us. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we would have never chosen that. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. However, so there obviously are those clear differences in the time and there's, there's different emotions that are at play when clients first arrive with me. Um, so for for somebody who's just experienced it in the relatively recent past, um, there's a lot of shock, a lot of disbelief, maybe even an element of numbness, um, just confusion. There's just they'll keep telling themselves, how can this be true? How can they have hurt me like this? Why didn't I see it coming? You know, all, all these sort of questions that don't really have answers or they don't have answers at the moment. So there's a lot of yeah. confusion. And don't you think we and also that, blame us? Like what did I oh, do 100%. wrong? If I was 100%. if I was skinnier, prettier, nicer, if I wouldn't have done this this way, they would have never cheated. 
Yep, exactly, exactly. And and, and I, th- I think that, that applies to, to, to men and women equally. We might look at slightly different metrics in terms of what it is that we think are the things that we should have mm-hmm. done in our relationships and how we should have shown up. If you uh, made more money or exactly. had a better job yeah. or, yeah, it's interesting. Exactly, exactly. But ultimately, we're left with a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of confusion. And when we aren't able to clearly answer questions, our brains are pretty good at filling in the blanks. And it fills in the blanks with the most insane stories sometimes. It goes yeah. everywhere. It goes to extremes. Scenario. Yeah. Absolutely worst case scenario. It really yeah. truly starts to catastrophize the situation. And you know, it's making an already unwanted situation turn into something that becomes almost insurmountable, or at least it seems insurmountable. So back to your actual question. The first thing that I do with all of my clients is we get very clear on the facts Mm. and we separate out very distinctly what is it we know for certain about the things that have happened leading up to this. And that can obviously look completely different for every client, but but the basic process is still the same. And we start separating out, and really the reason we do start separating out these things is because we want to be able to take control or be aware of the things that we can control versus the things that we can't so the facts or the circumstances in this case are the things that we cannot control that's usually things that have happened it's usually things that people have said things that people have done it's uh, specific events that can't be undone and it's also something that everybody would agree on so it's not subjective so for example you know you might have an interaction with another person and they say something and you say, oh God, they were rude or so-and-so is rude. But actually that's just your opinion. It's just a thought. It's subjective. Not everybody would see it the same way. So that wouldn't be considered a fact. Somebody isn't definitively rude. It's just one person's interpretation of it. So unless we can define it as something that everybody agrees on, then goes into what I would call the the story or the, mm-hmm. the thought box. And this is the area where we can start to really do all the coaching, doing all the work, start looking at things from a different perspective. Oh, I love that. I love that because it is, we create a lot of story and drama, right? I find myself, we can create so much drama and it's like, okay, we don't need to have that much drama. We just need to stick to the facts, which is so powerful. I mean, interestingly enough, even just using that word drama, that the word drama has meaning. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. therefore, even that in, and that in itself is like a subjective term because mm-hmm. what might be drama to one person yes. <laughs> can be completely blown out of proportion. So if you start telling yourself, I'm having all this mind drama, I'm having all of this drama. And of course, it's such a normal thing. It's, it's the words that we yes. hear. It's the words we take up. We, we embody them and then we then regurgitate them in some sense. But then we start believing it. So if you're going around telling yourself that everything you're experiencing is drama, then it will live up to that standard because that's what your mind is doing. It's seeking evidence to support all of Mm -hmm. the drama. Whereas if we say, actually, no, this is just my mind's story. It's my mind's fabrication of these things, the meaning that it's giving the Mm -hmm. event, then it gives us much more control. And we then no longer have to be victim to things like drama or like the interpretation that either we give it or actually, like we mentioned in in, in the first episode, that other people give yes, it as well. Yes, definitely. Yeah, because we have our own thoughts and then other people's thoughts. And yeah, it can create... And we try and juggle them all. Yes, and we're like managing them. 
So, of course, I know the model, have the mm-hmm. facts or our circumstances, and then our thoughts or our story. Then do you go to the feeling? Yes. So I consider feelings mm-hmm. being the, the the powerhouse of human beings. They They drive, as you know, they drive everything that we do. And how we feel really does affect what outcomes we get in our life and what things that we want. And you know, if we if we are going to want to arrive at a specific destination, let's say you're traveling somewhere, then what do you do? You get in the car, you if you're old fashioned like me, yeah. you might get a map out, you might get a map out. Um, <laughs> but if you were born well, in the last 40 years, probably yeah. 30 years, <laughs> then you would be, you know, pop the postcode or the 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 address GPS, in the sat nav yeah. and um in the GPS and you head towards that destination. The point is you have a very clear destination and you're aiming towards that destination so when it comes to our feelings creating everything that we want or everything that we do sorry then it's important to get an idea of what it is that we do want so after we've separated out these facts from the stories from our separating our thoughts from from this this minefield of of confusion that we've got going on we then start looking at what it is that we do actually want in this situation. And again, this is, of course, completely different for every single person. Yeah, because some some people want to stay married. Some people want the relationship to work. Some yep. people want to get divorced. So it looks different. And, and some 100%. people start going down one path and then decide to go down the other path. So there, there, there really yeah. is no, there's no right or wrong, and I yes. think that's also important. To, yes. To again, again, it's just removing all that meaning. Yeah. And it's, it's there is no right or wrong way. There's just the way that you either want something to be, or the way you don't want something yeah. to be. Or and there's not good or bad. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Which is to take the. It's hard because people like to have good and bad and black and white, but in these situations, it's it's just not helpful. No, exactly. And I, th- I think that's an important point that there's, we tend to look at most things in life quite black and white. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I am a rational, logical thinker. Yeah. You know, my brain <laughs> of kind of works. Are, in, it kind of works in binary. You yeah. know? Um, <laughs> however, despite that, I recognize that actually that has its drawbacks because things aren't black and white. In fact, everything I would say is on a spectrum completely like literally every element of human nature human characteristics is all on a spectrum and we all individually just fall on these different parts of the spectrum so to think that there is for example the right way to heal i did actually do an episode on this myself that was you know what is the right way to heal and of course the reality is there is no right way to yeah because we're it's all different. different our experiences are different yeah i love yes. that i think that's really powerful if we can gain that perspective and understand that and really try to embrace the idea that it's a spectrum. It's not, it's not the same for every person. No, not at all. In fact, it's not, it's it's usually not the same for any two people. Yeah. There's always those, those nuances and the differences and, and yeah, you, you think of like the, the, probably the more obvious, more, maybe even more traditional paths, which might be, yes, stay in the relationship, choosing to stay, or you might be wanting to leave sometimes people stay in the relationship even while there's an affair active like 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 willingly like they know yeah. that that's the, yeah. the setup you know and 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 almost a sort of like a not really a triangular type marriage but almost like a v-shaped marriage where you have like one person in the middle and, and two partners and 
that sometimes actually works. Yeah, you know, definitely. It, it's not, you know, and, and then obviously it would then no longer become an affair because it's being agreed, of course. But the point is there is no one path and and what is right and what is wrong. And back to that sort of the the binary, that, that sort of polarization, particularly when it comes to our emotions, it's easy to think of positive emotions and negative emotions. But I, I tend to want to describe that slightly differently in terms of like wanted emotions and unwanted emotions, because actually there are times where, you know, we, we could give an example where maybe you're at a funeral or at some some place where actually choosing to feel to sad, happy yeah. and excited and things wouldn't be the yeah. most appropriate emotion right. to feel. You would want to feel sad yes. and grief and upset yeah. and compassion and, you know, so it's not really about one being positive and one being negative. And then I think the other element as well is we tend to, when we view like, let's just say happy and sad to keep it simple or good and bad or whatever, that they are like opposing, like mm-hmm. like ones that like yeah. they're pulling away from each other. When actually I don't believe that to be true at all. One of the main things that we look at is self-trust. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the natural thing when you've been cheated on is, to lose trust in your significant other, that they have betrayed you, that you've lost trust in them. But of course, then you start questioning yourself. It's like, well, if I trusted them and I was wrong, how can I trust myself? And then they start, you start self-questioning. And I often like to sort of help people recognize that sometimes we have these like two parts inside us. You know, you think of any given situation, one part of us wants to maybe experience uh, intense anxiety, for example, and imagine you. Know, okay, so let's take. I'll give you an actual example. Okay, yeah. I was I was I was driving to a um, a workshop that I was delivering, an in person workshop I was delivering a couple of weeks ago, and it was a very unusual set of people. Um, in a sense, it was not it was not like my normal target audience. Let's right. say. And I had a lot of anxiety about it, about how it was going to be received, and whether I was going to be called out, and. You know, even though I talk about this stuff all the time, I work with my clients one to one on these topics all the time. I know enough to to be pretty competent in in these situations. Yet, my body was giving me anxiety like crazy, and then my brain was fabricating all these stories. I was driving down the road, and I was like, "Oh, what can I do? I can I, maybe I could pull over <laughs> and slash my tire, or maybe I could drive past the drive past the venue and pretend." Yeah that I didn't it. notice and then yeah. and get like two hours down the road before it's, oh, I've gone the wrong way <laughs> before it'd be too late. Or, you know, my brain was trying to come up with mm. all these, all these things, but it was fascinating to to see and to experience because the feeling was really intense, like really powerful. And my, I could tell my brain was just doing everything it could to try and come up with a way to get out of it. And it was giving me all these great options to be fair, some pretty good ones, pretty compelling ones. And I knew that from the work that I've done, that actually just allowing that to be there, just being really fascinated by it, just by almost describing it internally to myself, you know, not necessarily saying it out loud, but just sort of being really aware. Like, isn't it fascinating that I know that this this event that I'm going to is creating, or at least it feels like it's this event that's creating all this this emotion. And although I know that's not true, it was just what I thought was going to happen, what I thought people were going to say, how I thought I'd be be received. The point was that there was part of me that was feeling the emotion, yet there was part of me that wanted nothing to do with that emotion. It wanted to 
turn away and get the hell out of there. It yeah. wanted to escape as fast as possible. Now, when you've got those two parts happening in yourself, you've got one part really feeling and experiencing, and you've got the other part of you trying to escape. It's like, well, how can this part trust the other part? How can this experience of anxiety trust the the cognitive part that's trying to escape? Well, it can't. And this is almost the definition of what self-trust isn't. And this is assuming that the internal parts of us are pulling in opposite directions. Now, I believe that all of these feelings, all of these sensations, all of these vibrations that we have, they're all working for us. So yeah, okay, there's part of me that is scared and there's part of me that wants to just get out of here and go to Starbucks and yeah, run away. Do, do whatever it can, you know, do whatever yeah. it can. There's part of me wants that. But, but if I listen to that and it listens to the anxiety and they have like a bit of almost like an internal conversation, it's like, well, how can we, you know, act on the best interest of, of my own needs as a whole? And how can I use this anxiety? How can I use this desire for Starbucks? How can I use this desire to escape and really focus it towards the thing that I truly want? Bearing in mind, I've already set my GPS location. I've set the place I'm heading towards. And I think once you get on board with that and those, you can start to align all of these emotions so they no longer become positive and negative. They're all just tools. They're all just ways in which you can get the thing that you want as long as you know what it is you want. So after choosing that goal, what decision you make, then you can start applying the the emotion, the feeling to to get those get those results. I love that analogy, and it's also like whenever I f- am feeling a certain emotion, I I like question myself, like why am I feeling that? What's going on with me? Why do I feel anxiety? Why do I feel anger? Why do I feel sad? And try to name it and like process it. Which I think for me, coaching that has been the greatest gift for me is to know how to process my emotions. And so because before I was stuffing them down and and just it was it wasn't good. I wasn't healthy at all. And so I love that. And so then you obviously create when you can do all that, your actions and then your result is going to be so much different than so if different. you just let yeah. things go or exactly. don't so, deal so, with so in, in, the, in that scenario, it would have been a case of I would have made some excuse. I wouldn't have, if I'd allowed the emotion to win in that moment yeah. and not listen to it or, or, or I had listened to it, sorry, and just let, let it rule the show, then I wouldn't have shown up. I wouldn't have delivered the workshop. I'd have then felt maybe better in the moment when I turned yeah. around and drove the other way, but not for long. I would then feel right. regret and then I'd start to feel low self-worth and I'm not good enough and just reinforcing it. Whereas by embracing that discomfort and knowing that the worst thing that could happen was that feeling and exploring and answering my own questions about it, I did show up. And at the moment, you know, the lights go on, so to speak, yeah. then everything dropped away. And it was a fantastic day. And and I got so much out of it, all because I was prepared to deal with that discomfort. Yeah. And I love the idea that really emotion, if we can deal with our emotions, we can handle anything. 100%. And I think betrayal is a really, like, betrayal isn't one emotion. Betrayal is a lot of emotions. But I think you can master that and process those emotions. Like, I feel like I can do anything. If I can deal with this, I can do, I can, you know, yeah. conquer anything. Yeah, because there are a lot of really 
a lot of unwanted emotions. <laughs> and <laughs> a lot of unwanted that I wouldn't wish on anyone. But I, you know, we experience those. And then there are some wanted emotions that I want to be sad. I want to be sad that my husband chose to have an affair and not consider my feelings and not consider his children or, you know, he, whatever he chose to do, he did it selfishly. And I want to be sad about that and mad and lots of things, but I don't want to live in that. I don't want to be angry and um, hold that forever because I I want to live my own life and be true to myself. So I think exactly. it's that I love that. So any other like good tips or tricks or advice? I I'm learning a lot from you, Luke. <laughs> I think I think it's important to you know we've touched on it a couple of times. It's this, and I, although I'm not sure the words actually been said, but this this putting ourselves as the victim. You know. Yes. Now, of course, it, this this can be sometimes a bit touchy for some people, and I, I get it. I completely understand, and I, and I know how I would have felt at the time, you know, because immediately after coming out of my relationship, I did feel like a victim. It's like everything had been taken from me. Yeah, you know? you're like, like, wait, I, I, I didn't, you didn't choose What's going this. On? I, didn't, yeah. I didn't ask for this. I didn't <laughs> choose this. You know, and. So we could, you know, if we were to go and look up in the dictionary definition of victim, then yeah, I'm I'm sure I could justify that, but yes. and, and that's fine. But what use is that? Like, yeah. what use is it to be a victim? You know, yeah. how how empowering is being a victim? Yeah. It's like, well, no, it's absolutely not. It is completely disempowering. It is just handing. You know, you've already had this shock, this this thing happen because of what somebody else has done and now you're going to continue to give them that power by sitting in the perfect little victim status box my i have a therapist and he told me one time jennifer you can be a victim you are a victim but do not build a house in victimhood and set up shop there he said you need to move through it and empower yourself to get through it because acknowledging you were a victim of this event but you don't have to you don't have to live there and you cannot get out of it until you can find empowerment find your strength and then you can move through it then you can progress and create a life even in your marriage because if you stay a victim in your marriage it's going to be miserable like it's it's it not going to you're going to be always it's going to be a one up one down it's it's not going to be helpful you're, you're always dependent that's the yes. problem you become yeah. always dependent you and, can't, and human beings just and you lose choice which we need choice you will feel like you cannot leave your marriage and i know there's lots of women and probably men that feel like they can't leave because they're the victim they don't have a choice they have to stay in the marriage for one reason or another so, yeah, I, I agree about, and it's almost a feeling, like, when I realized that I probably was a victim for many years of my marriage, that I was choosing that, unbeknownst to me, mm-hmm. I didn't know I was, but once yeah. I realized I could choose differently, it was like a light shined on me, and I was like, wow, I could actually choose to leave, and I could choose so, to so stay, true. too. And I did both. So I think think it's important for any relationship if if there's going to any relationship that's going through a difficulty. It's I think it's really important to come to terms and take responsibility for yourself within that relationship before you 
choose yes. to stay or leave yes. regardless of, of the details um yeah with the exception of course uh, you know, um, that this doesn't mean it's okay to remain in a, an abusive relationship or anything right. like that you know in terms of general relationships and it's just i want my partner to act differently i want my mm-hmm. partner to show up differently if that's the kind of dynamic and it's that two-way then actually there's probably quite a bit of work you need to do on yourself first yeah. and then you can still leave yeah yeah doing definitely. it from a clean place yeah well, I love that. Well, I have enjoyed talking to you so much. That's been so helpful. So remind us again how we find you, um, your podcast and your website sure. and all that. Okay. So you can find my podcast. It's called After the Affair, and that's on all of the major podcast platforms. My website is lifecoachluke.com, all one word, no spaces. And I'm on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, at at my life coach luke uh, again no spaces and um, it's the same handle for them all perfect perfect so if you would like help from luke you can reach out to him and but thank you so much it was so nice to meet you and i appreciate the work you're doing i think it's needed and i look forward to you know maybe meeting you someday yeah, <laughs> i'll come to, i'll come to england i'd rather come yes. to england <laughs> <laughs> okay all right have an awesome day and thanks so much for listening guys if you want to learn how to live happily even after sign up for my email at lifecoachjenwith1n.com follow me on instagram and facebook at happily even after podcast let's work together to create your happily even after